right, we're back. Uh, we should be doing a back-to-back. So I think we're going to have an episode try to drop tonight, uh, the night we're recording, that we recorded last week. So you might hear it back-to-back. The timing might be a little bit off. We had some issues with uh, editing, chopping it up, but no big deal. We are live again watching the Reds tonight. It's uh, Reds-Cubs. Game three of this series, Mally versus Davies. As I'm talking and introducing, it's the bottom of the fourth. Two outs. Uh, Mally trying to get out of this inning here in the fourth. So you'll probably hear some live reactions. Uh, we're going to chop it all up today. Uh, do a lot of – a little bit of all over, I guess. Um, start with the Reds, definitely. Get into a little Bengals talk and some conference realignment uh, with UC and that kind of shit going forward. But uh, today I think Shane is – a really good day to record um especially with the news that just dropped best so, time of year to be a baseball fan yeah this is um i think i mean we i think we text like pretty much probably the entire day yeah during <laughs> these like this next week just throughout, um, just throughout seeing how every, <laughs> yeah just seeing how everything shakes out um it's a super exciting time i don't think anybody does a trade deadline quite like the reds that is an unbelievable play by Aristides Aquino. Wow, that was very good. So um, I'm going to throw it over to Shane real quick. Shane is really good with details and player background and stuff like that. So Shane, introduce the trades. Give us your thoughts. Yes, let's get it. So last night, I was actually getting ready to go to bed, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to check. I'm going to check Twitter real quick, see see if the Reds did anything. And I literally looked down. It was like two minutes ago, and they made a trade. So Reds go with going. We went to the Yankees first, and we actually got Luis Cessna along with Justin Wilson for a player to be named later, which is kind of interesting. I don't, I guess, I mean, now knowing that the Yankees just get dumped for uh, Joey Gallo kind of makes a little bit more sense, but um, looks like the Yankees kind of were just shedding guys to uh, open up on the 40 man. Um, Cessna, though, is going to be the better of the two, at least right now, um, and probably for the future. He's got, uh, he's probably going to be, I mean, for the Yankees, he was one of their first guys out of the pen rather than back into the game, where I think with the Reds, um, and I know he talked about it when he was talking to reporters for the game. He uh, he said it's kind of going to be like a next step. So I guess that obviously means he's going to be later in the ball game for us, or just those high situations. So that's exciting, and we got for two more years of control after this year, which is always a huge plus, especially when you're not giving up a lot for him. And then the other one is Justin Wilson, which I guess the thing with him that I've been reading at least um, is going to be. The price tag that comes with them, I mean, it's it's two and a half million dollars. So, I mean, essentially the money we dumped before the year even started. I guess we're certain to use that money. He's gonna be a lefty. Um, I don't really. I mean, you're kind of just throwing him in the pen and see what he, see what he can do. He's kind of struggled this year, but I was kind of looking at his stats earlier today, and he's really kind of. I think he has 18 earned runs on the whole year, and nine of the, or ten of the 18 are in two of the games. So. Kind of just a couple bad outings. I know one of his last outings, he didn't even get a, an out recorded and gave a 500 run. So, obviously, that's going to dampen the uh, the ERA. But, so, I think, obviously, going to be a pretty good trade overall. I mean, obviously, we'll have to see who the player we gave up is. But, more often than not, they're probably not going to be anyone super special, I would say, at least. Yeah. So, I guess we can get into this before we get into the Givens trade. But, um, 
to me, uh, the first thing I noticed is the Yankees giving the Reds a salary dump is one of the most ass backward things in all of baseball. <laughs> I mean, because it was so cost man a spade. That's what this was. Um, the Reds took on uh, Wilson's Justin Wilson's salary. Um, the Yankees wanted to clear up forty man space, and they wanted to clear up a, 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 some cap space for what they just did. They just signed Joey Gallo or traded for Joey Gallo, um, so you could see, clearly see that's what the Yankees were trying to do. And the Reds took advantage. Um, I think Sessa's a good quality major league reliever like you said he hasn't had a ton of late game situations but i, I don't think when he nesses when when our other guys get back healthy i don't know that he's going to have to do it all that often no um but he's exactly the kind of guy that they need in that pen he's a quality guy that can pitch the sixth inning and and come in with guys on and get guys out i think um, i think a good way to look at him is kind of like the uh it's kind of like the bridge bridge the gap until yep. we get Sims back until we get Lorenzen back. And then obviously we'll get Anton yeah. back. I think that's yeah. kind of what they want for. And yeah, tonight and, I could see him being in a high, high leverage role. Yeah. Um, he's definitely going to start for the next couple weeks, for sure. but uh, until Sims and Anton Lorenzen come back, um, which uh, Bell said Sims next week, Lorenzen the week after and, and Anton after that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of see what that Cross looks your like. Fingers but, on that one. Yeah. I think that's what we're kind of looking at. As for the Wilson thing, I think he's a super interesting case. So Dude. people are freaking out about the salary, but that means he at one point he was he good was enough good. in his career to like, earn this money. And coming from the Yankees, like the Yankees just I mean, yeah. <laughs> they the Yankees screw pitchers up so bad. I mean, we saw what they did to Sonny Gray. They didn't let him throw a slider. He's come to the Reds. He's been pretty darn good since then. Um, I, I'd be curious to see what Derek Johnson can do for him. You look at his career numbers, uh, uh, Wilson, and he's from the West Side. Let's be very clear. He's already immediately coming into the, the season. He's a better pitcher than Josh Oches. So he is an upgrade from the left hand side for the Absolutely. Reds. That is Absolutely. That's indisputable. So um, pitching in Yankee Stadium, uh, I don't want to say it. A great American is not a huge upgrade, but I think it's a little bit, especially for a, a left-hander who comes in for and faces sure. a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, the short porch in Yankee Stadium doesn't help. Um, he, he, he's been hit around a little bit this year. There's just no other way to really put around it. You're right. His numbers are inflated from two really bad outings. Yeah. Um, but I think a change of scenery, I think that matters. I Absolutely. think stuff like that can matter. Um, so I, I, he's, he's an, a help. Um, I think he's also a two-year guy. He's got a player option. He's I think. A, yeah, I was I doubt he turns that it. down. Um, just with how bad of a year he's had, he's not going to turn down the money that he's pretty well owed. Um, the Cessna thing's good, and um, as for the player to be named later, I I once read like an article on player to be named later. I'm pretty sure it's usually for like guys that they they technically don't have rights to yet, or they technically can't say they're in a trade. So either like a draft pick or an international signee that isn't actually eligible to be traded yet. Um, but it's, I don't think it's going to be anybody big. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, who knows, I guess maybe the guy turns into David Ortiz or the best player to be named later ever or something like that. But, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think for the Reds though, I think it's the, I flip back and forth. This is exactly the kind of move that I expected them to make. Yep. And, and, and we recorded on the last podcast and this is what we talked about. Jesse Winker is the best American baseball hitter on the planet. Holy shit. He just destroys right-handed pitching. He's a freak. This was his second double down the line, by the way, he is unbelievable. Right-handed pitchers stand no chance against Jesse Winker. It is insane. It's um, insane. But yeah, uh, 
back back to the the deal. The the Sessa thing. He he's exactly the kind of guy I thought the Reds would get. Nothing great, nothing flashy. He's not a big strikeout guy, which I don't love out of relievers. I agree. I'm not a huge pitch to contact guy, but he's it's been effective for him. He has a two pitch repertoire. He's a big slider guy. Um, so we'll we'll see have how you, it shakes out. I think he has higher upside. Have you seen it? Did you watch any video on him? Uh, yeah, a li- not a ton. I watched a, a, a Rob he's Freeman cut up. Got him. like that pitching machine type arm action yeah. very like yeah. over the top so like he almost gets like that change up that very vertical drop compared to horizontal movement yeah so he's not a big like a miss the bats guy no. but he's ground a balls. guy that it, ground, ground balls, balls which is good helps. for great american ballpark good. so i'll take that and, and to be honest they need a guy that pounces out anyway yep. the relievers get killed with walks yeah more than anything man i mean we do a lot of things wrong we give up too many home runs um, but but we the relievers hurt themselves Let's a go. ton. Tyler so Stevenson, I think, baby. I think that's where he's he's really effective. Tyler Stevenson, rookie of the year stuff. What oh, a big real quick, that is. Real quick, while well, you said rookie of the year, did you see what the MLB.com dropped today? Oh, the umpire got taken out. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, yeah, the Jonathan India tenth. Tenth. <laughs> it's comical. I'm not a That's big like, believer in the in like the MLB hates the red stuff, but it's almost I'm like they to believe do. it kind of. Dude, I did you see the it. thing with the All Star game? How they didn't have any banners, didn't have a banner, but they yeah. had one for Yerman Mercedes. Yeah, who retired and then came back a day later. Yeah, yeah. because he went, um, he was pissed off that he was benched. Yeah, I, I super weird stuff there. I I don't know. I. India is one of those guys that I think he's flown under the radar for so long. And I think the big thing is he doesn't play like a rookie. Like, his at-bats, he's not going to hit bombs and do all this exciting stuff. The dude just hits a single into left field. And he gets on. He, he grinds out he goes, he, he goes first to third on on base hits and in the gap. First, you know first, what I mean? Like, dude, first to home. Dude's got pretty solid yeah. speed. So, that, stuff like that I really like. Um, he definitely should be higher than 10th in the rookie of the year discussion. I don't know. For sure. There's not – Nine National League rookies that are having a better year than Jonathan India. I don't that's care what anyone says. Um, but, but back to the back, topic, back, the the, the Yankees trade. I think, like I said, I just think this is exactly what I expected the Reds to do: add a quality reliever, maybe two. I think they added one and, and potential for another. Uh, if Wilson can go back to his 2019, 2020 self, so uh, it's good. It's it's the help they need. I. I guess we'll get this into a discussion a little bit when we talk about playoffs. I don't necessarily think this makes this team like all of a sudden infinitely better. I just think it helps them do what they do. Like I think I think it helps them bridge the fifth and sixth inning when Tyler Malley's throws eighty pitches in four innings. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. So that kind of stuff, which is helpful. But this would have been a whole lot help lot more helpful in April than it was in July. Yeah. So for sure. I, I, and that, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um yeah, and one thing too, like I mean, that just goes back to the ownership, the whole thing of them just dumping Iglesias and Bradley to save money. And, dumping but money. I, just another to take thing on though, money. like I've been seeing on Twitter is like, I, and I know you kind of mentioned it in text. It's like, well, a couple weeks ago would have been nice, but then I, I won't be like some people don't realize, like not saying you don't, but um, the price tag is influent. I think a lot different two weeks ago than it is now. And I know you said that you agreed with it and. Um, I think, 
and even like Cessna, he probably wasn't even available two weeks ago. So right, no, um, you're absolutely right. Like like Cessna is not on the table two weeks ago. It's just not a thing. Yeah. The Yankees aren't going to trade one of their better relievers for sure um, until they know what the market. So I understand that part. But no, 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 I know there's just some people out there who are like, oh, two weeks ago they could have used it. Well, it's like well, yeah, it's time things long, well, things change. And, and I think there is some validity to that though. Like I, yes, the price might have been cheap. The price might have been more expensive, but how much more? Would and I guess this will, this will lead us into the Michael Gibbons trade. Michael Gibbons was available two weeks ago. I don't care what anyone says. Was he not People on the IL though? Was he on the IL? Okay, that I think he might have been on the IL. Hold but, on, but I'll even, check. What's, but anyone else? It could be Gimme Garcia who who got traded earlier today for yep. the Marlins, right? A quality reliever. He they were available two weeks ago. Now, would you have had to overpay a little bit? Sure, sure, absolutely. But what the Red, what did the Reds and Shane? You can give the details. This kind of leads in. But what did the Reds give up for for Michael Gibbons? All right. So the, the Reds ultimately ended up giving up two minor league pitchers, um, one Noah Davis and the other Case Williams. And ironically, Case Williams is the exact guy that we got from Colorado like eight months ago for one Bobby Stevenson. Yeah. So. <laughs> So Case Williams, Come who on. I think is our 25th rated prospect, right? Uh, it, it, he is, uh, I think, 20. 20. 20, yeah. Um, uh, I'll be curious to see where 20. the updated rankings have. So and Noah's at 26. We're talking about two guys that, yeah, okay. So, may, okay, do I now have to give up the seven? Like, you're not having to trade Hunter Green all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're splitting hairs, and I get what you're saying, and I understand, but – I think two weeks ago, especially with everything that went on the table in that Brewers series, I just I, I would have liked the Reds to to be a little bit more forethinking. Yeah, and no. that's where I get frustrated. The, the Brewers made their move for Willie Adams in May, and I know everyone's like, "Well, not everyone made their trade in May," but the Brewers did. The yep. Brewers saw significant. And it worked. And now, and but, and now, the, but the Reds could have now. I'm just being devil's advocate. I mean, the Reds could have made a move two weeks ago, and ultimately, how many wins? I mean, could it have done anything different? Yeah, who knows though? Maybe not. Yeah. You never know. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sure. You never. And now Willie Adams could have came to Milwaukee, been a terrible change of scenery, and he just does terrible. But yeah. I mean, the trade just worked out for him, so it's like tip your cap. No, you're, and you're absolutely sure. right. Like, there's there's a whole devil's advocate thing, but I think I would have just appreciated the idea of trying. Yeah. I'm not saying go out and trade for Craig Kimbrell two weeks ago. For sure, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but could you have gotten a middle of the road reliever on a losing team, a guy on the Twins, a guy on the Marlins, like I said, Jimmy Garcia, or a Michael Givens type guy on a team that's way out of it? They know they're selling. Would you ever pay a little bit? Probably, but you kind of have to overpay this yeah. year if you're the Reds, in my opinion. Like. Yeah. You're, the fan you're really putting your it. eggs. It's not even that. Like, and we'll get into you know we talk about Nick Castellanos' contract every single week, but you're all in on this year, kind of right now, especially with how much Castellanos is up in the air. So, if you want to be effective, you have to pay. You might have to pay a little bit more, and I just I worry with what they did. I think is really good. I just think it might have been too late, and even I think even one of those arms could have helped. Two weeks ago, I really do, especially with the yeah, way the games I mean, played out. It's just yeah, insane. For sure. I mean, I agree it's with insane. that. I'm just, I know we're in. Uh, I think we're in different boats right now. With I, I think we can cut it down. Um, I don't. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to have a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But I really do think. I think there's sixty. What did we say? Sixty-one games, including tonight. Um, seven games you play. You got thirteen against the Pirates, and we're already five and one against them on the year. 
Um, and they've gotten, they're going to be getting significantly worse by next let's, month. Let's hold off on playoffs. We'll do a whole thing. No, 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 I know, I know. Go, I'm, go just to Michael say, I'm just saying, yeah. Because okay. I think I'm really excited about Michael Gibbons. For sure. And this is a playoff move. This is a heftier rental, right? Correct. Yeah. So go in on, on the whole Gibbons thing. All right. So the Reds ended up, like we said, Reds go trading Case Williams and Noah Davis. Michael Gibbons, he's going to be your fastball changeup guy. Um, 97th, it's either 96th or 97th percentile on his fastball spin rate, which screams Reds all day. Reds, uh, Derek Johnson. Um, and then he's got one of the best changeups in all of baseball. I think he, I saw one tweet today where it said he had given up like one hit off of his changeup in like the last 10, 10 outings. Um, huge swing and miss pitch. So kind of similar to Cessna, but this guy's going to be your more higher strikeout guy. Um, you're going to see 95, 97, and he's kind of got a funky arm action. He comes back, uh, kind of pauses for a half second and then goes, but a lot of life on his fastball and his changeup plays perfectly off his fastball. So I think, uh, he's going to be the guy that even, I mean, you could argue, but I think when, even after Anton Sims comes back, I think he's going to be the ninth inning guy. Okay. Uh, I might disagree with ninth inning, but I agree with a lot of what you said. I see this guy, and I'm going to make a wild comparison. I see a good version of Pedro Strip. Like, kind yeah. of a weird arm delivery, but a fucking live fastball. Yep. His fastball, it's it's 95 to 97. It looks like 102 coming out of his glove with his arm angle. And that and, 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 and that's exactly what and that's exactly what play why his changeup so good because of how yeah. electric his fastball is. And his, if you go on and watch Pinching Ninja, I guarantee you there's a Michael Givens uh, overlay on there of his fastball and changeup. Because I mean, I watched video on him for five minutes today, and it's like, wow, like the guy's got the stuff. He's electric, like electric kind of stuff. Kind of stuff yeah. when you when you watch, you'll hear the myth pop on your on and your TV. really it's the reason good. the reason he doesn't have a lot of hype around of his name is because he's been on the Orioles and the Rockies. He's never and, been on a good team. Yeah, he had that one decent team with the Orioles, I think, like 2015, but that, that was great anything. when he got in the league. So it was yeah. like, he didn't really yeah, was, he was super young for the, for the team itself. So I think this is a low-key, exciting pickup. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you look at the trade, it was Robert Stevenson, who we couldn't get out of Cincinnati fast enough for Robert Stevenson and Jamison Hanna, who was an outfield prospect, who we originally dealt in the trade for... Um, Tanner Rourke, right? To Oakland when we sent Tanner Rourke to Was Oakland. that who he was? I thought I saw – did we put an outfielder in the Robert Stevenson trade? Yeah, Hannah's the guy from Oakland, isn't it? Am I making that up? You might be right. I swear there was a oh, – let me see. Jackson Hannah, is that his name? Let's see. Let's see. So Robert – yeah, Jamison Hannah. So yeah. the Reds traded Robertson Steven and Jamison Hannah – in November for Hoffman and Case Williams, and then we fast forward to today, oh, and we flip yes. Case Williams and Noah Davis for um, Michael Gibbons. So at the end of the day, we give up Jamison Hanna and uh, Noah Davis and Robert yeah. Stevenson. Who this was is essentially Tanner Rourke, yeah. Robert Stevenson, and Noah Davis. Yep. You guys that wouldn't have been here and a and a low level prospect for for, for, a, for a guy that is gonna be yeah who I think is gonna be play huge for us yeah so I, I think uh, I, this is the one I was really excited about when I saw it uh, sitting at work I, I thought wow this is a great move I thought I was I was really excited because I thought this was a uh, 
this wasn't just a rental. I thought it was a year and a half we had him. So losing him at the end of the, well, potentially whatever, you know, yeah. um, stings a little bit. Um, but yeah, like you said, electric stuff, like the kind of stuff you see, he has that kind of swagger, that, that, that mood you got, you wanted a late inning guy. Like he walks out, he has a fuck you fastball, hit paint the corners with a nasty changeup, that two pitch repertoire. I think his strikeouts per nine, um, is something insane. Like, I think he has like a great strikeout per nine ratio. 10 plus three is what I have it at, yeah. which is, I mean, that's elite. You know what I mean? Like that for a reliever, that kind of electric stuff with a 1.157 whip. So it's not like he's walking guys and giving up hits. You know what I mean? A 1.1 whip for a reliever is pretty good. He's got a 1.1 career whip. Yeah, like that's elite kind of stuff. You know, uh, elite might be a little over dramatic, but it's it's a really good reliever stuff. Uh, and I mean, so. if you you can go and look at his career stats, I mean, he's thrown he's logged over three hundred and seventy five innings as a reliever. Um, so that's I mean, he's looking at probably about five years, five full seasons in the bigs, and he's got a three three ERA. So for a reliever, that's pretty solid, I would say. Um, definitely above average to. Not nothing elite, but definitely above average, and definitely the Reds need. So definitely yeah. excited yeah, about that one. He is the exact kind of guy the Reds need because you you think about the way the extra innings rule is in the regular season, and with a guy on base, you think about guys. how many times I think I think we're bottom three in inherited runners uh, at stranding inherited runners. We're our relief. Oh yeah. Dude, I was terrible at inherited. I mean, that's Sean Doolittle. Is oh, Sean yeah. Doolittle's ERA looks great because he he's every the time king he's of in, he gives up inherited runs. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're terrible at that. When you have electric stuff like that, that is the kind of thing you need for to strike out guys because you need strikeout stuff to get rid of inherited runners. Like that's that's the name of the game. So um, he he is an ideal pickup for the Reds. I think that that was a really really good move. Um, so credit to Nick Crawl for for putting something like that together. Uh, that's that's really good stuff. Uh, and another I thing this, too, I, I want to point out. I was I, so I did a little bit of like research on the prospects that we did give away. So Case Williams, he's twenty three and he's still in rookie ball right now. So um, he's been a de- he's been in the development league for the Rockies. I was reading that and they were really high on him. So obviously they probably viewed him a lot higher than the Reds ever did. Um, and then the other guy was Noah Davis. He is also 23, coming off of Tommy John surgery in 2018. And then he had a serious back injury in 2019 and then 2020, obviously, with COVID. So really, I mean, two guys that are pitchers where we're already kind of, I think, I would say starting pitching or pitching in general in our farm systems a little bit better on the top end. So I think two guys that really weren't, a huge loss to our organization. So, like you said, credit to Nick Crow, great trade. Yeah, uh, side note: this umpire has been horrendous tonight. Yeah. Um, no surprise there. Yeah, I, I think, especially when you look at Reds pitching, like they, they're so deep at some of the guys that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you look at the major league roster; every one of these starters we have, we have under control for at least next year. Yep. And you top Hunter Green. You top Nick you top Tony Santillan, you top uh, – uh, who's the other guy down in the minors that's having a pretty good year? I can't remember his name. The guy in Louisville is doing really well. People were talking about him. But they have guys. So I'm not going to sit here and worry about a 25th prospect giving up for a team that is uh, potentially in a playoff race. 
So, and I guess that can kind of lead us into the next stuff, but what are you, what's next for you? I have my thoughts on next. What yeah. You, so we, we have two you, days. You, had, July you had sent a 31st. tweet or you sent a tweet earlier today and it was talking about shortstops that the Reds had called on and whatnot. And I know a couple were Miguel Rojas. So apparently like the Reds, the Reds are really interested in, but the Marlins have turned them down multiple times. And then Nicky Lopez. Marlins just saying he's unavailable. Unavailable. Yep. Correct. Um, and then Alberto Montesi, which out of all of them, I mean, if you could get us Alberto Montesi, that would be, I mean, you could plug him in because he plays a lot of positions. He's a utility guy, similar to Senzel. I know you had mentioned, would you give up Senzel straight up for him? I personally would. Um, but I, going next step, though, I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily hurts add another bullpen arm if they're out there. Keep calling around on them. See who's available. Um, call on a bat. You never know. You can always use extra hitting off the bench. So maybe go out there. See if there's a cheap bat on the block um, that you can pick off for rental um, for a couple months that you can get for cheap. Um, but, I mean, at this point, though, I don't really know what much else you could add to this team besides maybe a little bit of pitching. Because, I mean, we have we have one of the better offenses in baseball. So, um, at yes. least that's my opinion. Yes. So I think that's fair. That's I, like right now. That's what trade. That's like just trade deadline, like this week. At least. Right. This is the next uh, forty-eight, less than forty-eight hours, right? I mean, it's, Correct. What is it? July 29th. We had or what is today? Is it today's twenty-eighth. Okay, so we have uh, the thirty-first is the deadline. Uh, at I think 4 it's Friday. So let's do a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, it should be the thirty-first, which is Friday. I think it might or, be Saturday. It's, it'll be Saturday. It's always the 31st. July 31st, Saturday at 4 p.m. So um, I think you're dead right. Another bullpen arm, especially when the air of we don't know what Lorenzen, we don't know what uh, Anton Sims, what that looks like. So I am a bit nervous there. Um, so I definitely think another arm should be in the running. For sure. I love the Alberto Mondesi deal. I, I love the idea of Alberto Mondesi. And I know he's having a career year, so that scares a lot of people. You're buying high. Well, he's, to be he's fair, to be, real quick, I don't know if you've done – so he's only had 36 at-bats this year. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been hurt, I know. He's got through a he's, strain. He's put together some really solid years, and yeah. I think his OPS numbers, I know, he doesn't hit for he's a lot of He's not going to hit a guy for power, so he's going to have a – he's going to get a, get on base, and he's going to make – He's going to make movement on the base paths. He is the one. Let's put it this way. He's controllable. The Reds would get him for the rest of this year, next year, and the year after. So they have him through 2023. But he is the exact kind of guy playoff teams need. He's controllable. He's cheap. And he is an effective-ass baseball player. And I, I know batting average is against the rules, to, to quote that stat. He hits for a decent average. He gets on base at a somewhat decent clip. He he doesn't slug the ball out of the ballpark, but he slugs it enough, I think. But with, but look at the lineup that we have. We need guys to get on base for the middle of our area, especially if Otto continues to hit the way he is. So you really don't need a guy to keep – we don't need sluggers. We need guys and we need the guys to be able to push Winker to the three-hole. We need guys to push – or switch Winker to the four, Cassianos to the three. We don't this need guys exactly, home runs. We yes, need guys at the top of the You just exactly nailed my point yeah. on the head. And and I, I, I worry about the Tyler Naquin regression that is 
happening before our eyes that not a lot of people are noticing. Tyler Naquin's good. He did he's just a, hit a ball hard, great, though, just now. What? I will say. He just hit a ball hard his last at bat. He did. He did. But it, it, I know. he's going to regress. He's I, not the. But I will say, yeah, to your point, this is completely irrelevant, but I will get praised him because. I think that's one of the better signings probably in all of baseball this year. Oh, he's, he's, he's been phenomenal. He's been, I mean, he's been unbelievable, kind of but his, his regression is coming. And, and yeah, when, for sure. But what that, means, we're paying him a million and a half, so it's like got to expect it at some point. Yeah, and you have Senzel coming back. Mm-hmm. If you if you get Senzel, I would rather much I, I as much as I like Senzel and like him in the infield. Now, I know the Mondesi trade, but let's say that somehow keep a way to keep Senzel and Mondesi. You put Senzel instead of field. You have Mondesi be able to be a utility guy in the infield. Um, I just think it's super valuable to the team. A guy like that who can play all over the infield. Um, the more versatile guys you have, the more guys that can play multiple positions, the easier it is to manage and the easier it is to manipulate your lineups. So I, I also, this guy hits right-handed pitching and, or uh, left-handed pitching, I should say. It's and the Reds need help. Need that for sure. Like it, we face a lefty. Like I'm petrified of. Well, petrified is maybe the wrong word because it'd be fun to make the playoffs. It would suck to get in the the. Somehow we make the wild card. Let's say I know we don't talk about the wild card a lot because I don't think it's really going to happen. But let's say we make the wild card and the Dodgers throw Kershaw at us. Screwed yeah. because it takes it takes Winker completely out of the lineup. He's useless, and I don't mean that to be mean. But Jesse Winker just not is is not very good. Not as pitching. He'll run into and, one and, here and there, but he's just a different yeah, type of hitter. And, and Vado's very similar. Vado can run into one. He'll hit one. But an elite left-handed pitcher, the Reds are in trouble. Castellanos obviously ropes it. But other than that, we really need guys to hit it with with the with the the digression of Eugenio Suarez. That power and the pop and the guys getting on Please. against left-handed pitching is sucked. So I think Mondesi would be a good add from that standpoint. For sure. I'm not saying it's hit or miss. I just – and Kyle Farmer's playing great, so it's probably the worst time to say it. I just don't think he's the answer at shortstop that they need. Um, I and, agree. And as good as the order's been, it's been five guys. We're talking about Jonathan India. We're talking about Tyler Stevenson. We're talking about Joey Votto, Jesse Winker, Nick, Nick Castellanos. The other guys, Tucker Barnhart has had a very productive year. Not a knock on Tucker. Tyler Quinnaquin's had a very productive year for them, for who they are. So, but... I'm not counting on those guys to, to be what they've been. You know what I mean? Like we, the bottom of the order has been automatic outs a lot lately. Outside yeah. of Kyle Farmer has really helped that out. So this order needs some rounding out as good as the offense has been. And it's kept us in games. I worry about the consistency. If this team does make the playoffs, if this team does make that late game push, if we're facing Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and, and Peralta next month and the Reds were within five games, we have a three game series. I worry about how the hell, if they get past the five hitter and Suarez comes up, that's a strikeout, man. Yep. So it's, you know what I mean? And the bottom of that order just hasn't hit consistently enough. So that's where I think a shortstop is needed in a hole. And they need Mustafa Senzel back. So uh, I, I know part of that is is coming. But, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on that. I, I think another reliever is important. Now, people say starter. I don't, I don't want to start. Yeah, I mean, unless it was, I mean, I just don't know. I know Drew had mentioned it, but I, yeah, I'm kind of on board with that. I don't really know. Like, if it's, I see it. I guess to you, you replace Gutierrez. I'm not giving up anything to go get. No, 
a starter that that maybe is a little bit better than Vladimir Gutierrez. I'm just I'm just not. And then really, not yeah. So it's so I'm in, I'm um, on board with that. Another bullpen arm I'd be good with, and and uh, I would like to see a trade for for a shortstop, a guy that can that can get on base. Like you said, yeah, really gotta get it, gotta get on base. And then yeah, so we got sixteen and a half games to go, and what? I mean, we gotta if we win tonight, we'll still be seven out because the Brewers are up pretty big on the Pirates, so yep. uh, it's going to be interesting, and they just got better tonight. They got a Eduardo Escobar from the from the Arizona Diamondbacks for virtually nothing, um, so it's kind of interesting. I feel like teams aren't, haven't been giving up a ton, so it's going to be interesting to see how the next couple of days play out on the block. Yeah, um, the Brewers, Eduardo Escobar, similar than Alberto Mondesi, I think. Um, yeah, probably just a little bit more pop in his bat. Yeah, popping as bad is definitely the difference. I don't think he gets on base as much, no. um, or is as effective in those kind Probably of things. More but he's, guy. He, you know, it's kind. Of, he's a winning baseball player. He's a guy that's on a winning baseball team. So, and I know that's a, such a cliche thing to say, but it is something that's true. Yeah. No different than Willie Adams. Like, there's guys that just need to win games, and and those. I mean, he's what Ben Zobris was in 2016 Cubs, right? Maybe not a superstar, going to hit 260, but damn it, he's going to put the ball in play in big he's moments. Turn he's going to control his bat. He's, gonna, he's been there. He went. You know, that kind of stuff I think matters. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think if we're talking playoffs, I guess we can get into playoff odds. This is where I become the negative. Oh, I didn't even mention what's next. This is the biggest thing. If I'm the Reds right now, I am locking Nick Castellanos in a room. I'm, I'm trying to let him not call Scott Boris. <laughs> and I'm saying, what keep do his, you need? Keep his flip phone away. Because, and this is more important than any shortstop trade. Oh, a, Any bullpen so trade. A, Nick Castellanos have, in the next six months is going to be the most important thing. The, the only thing the Reds need to worry about. They, this the team, office. and I've said this a million times, this team, if they lose Nick Castellanos next year, is not going to compete. I don't care what anybody says. You don't replace that. You don't replace his production that he's done. This team is seven games back with all the things that Nick Castellanos I mean, has done. But just for a perfect example, look at the last week and a half. I mean, we were just this. Yeah, it, it's but, fluttering back yeah. and forth. And, and and that's against bad teams. I mean, the Cardinals aren't good. The Cubs aren't good. So it's yes you're absolutely right and this is where signing nick castellanos to a long-term deal and people are talking about this money's going to be outlandish i don't think I don't it's going to be outlandish be. as people think because his his options for 17 million and i know we talked about it but realistically what do you th- think between 23 and 25 I think, I think it's going to be about 22 million 23 million dollars a year and it's going to be a five-year deal so yeah. you're looking at paying a hundred and yeah it's a five-year 140 million dollar deal whatever that is roughly probably a tick less yeah so and you're t- I, I think he wants to be here they're, they're they want to be I mean, Nick Cassianos wants to win they love Cincinnati yes Nick Cassianos wants to win his family loves being here I think he loves being here the players love him the manager loves him the fans love him okay that matters and I don't think Nick Castellanos, even though Boris is his agent, he he is a little bit of that weird guy. He's, he's his own that, type of guy. He, he he's not like a like a Garrett Cole where he's just like go get me the money. 
or yeah, Trevor Bauer, like yeah. like those guys that like pay me the highest bidder. No, I, I don't think, think Castellanos is that. Like so that. I think if you get him before he hits free agency and he sees the big offer, because make no he mistake, take it. they're coming. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and I think it would be valuable to the Reds with the DH coming to to the National League soon. Uh, probably within the I think the collective bargaining agreements next year. Next year, and we are about to see a major, major, major growth in baseball with the new TV deals that are coming. If you're bored one day, look up at the Major League Baseball TV deals that are signed. Look at the Turner Sports deal signed for the National League Championship Series. That doesn't that money doesn't go to the teams that play in it. That money is split evenly between all 30, all 30 baseball teams. teams. Whether you win 50 games or you win 150 games, you're getting the money for the money that's being made in the playoffs on the TV deals. It's a shit ton of money. A shit ton. Look at the they're getting ready to sign uh, all you YouTube TV people like me that can't watch the Reds because of Bally Sports, that's because they're getting ready to do a major deal with streaming companies to get this kind of money coming in. The owners are going to be making money hand over fist. Do not let Bob Castellini fool you into that he can't afford this. Castellanos is already set to make $17 million next year. If he says yes to that, he can pay $17 million. He can fucking pay $24 million a year for Nick Castellanos. I, I don't. I don't want to hear that it's too expensive. It's not too expensive. He's the a city, goddamn MVP. The city, of Cincin- the city of Cincinnati would be able to raise six million dollars if it's, you made a GoFundMe for Cincinnati Reds to pay Bob Castellini to extend Castellanos. It would break probably in a day. Yeah, it's 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 something like that. Just like I, I've seen, I've seen that floated around. Like, well, he's going to be too expensive. Like, no, he's not. No, he's not. not. We're not talking about paying $30 million well, yeah, for we're a not pitcher. Ta- we're not talking, we're talking about paying numbers. $24 million for a guy for five years that can hit the shit out of a baseball. Okay? He's done it his entire career. He's he's, owed a, ball, this. he's a winner, Give him dude. the money. He wants to win. That dude yeah. grinds. He's exactly what you just said before. He's a guy you want on your playoff team. Yeah. So I, I think, think about like if for perfect example, think about if he was available. Say the Reds were terrible right now and there was no plans to sign him. If he was on the block, think about what we would be getting. Look at what Joey Gallo just got from for the Yankees. Yeah. What Joey Yeah, got. people are scoffing at that. The Yankees Imagine. uh it is deep. The Yankees uh Yeah. Farm I mean it, deep. it was That's a haul a for sure, but I mean haul. the Yankees could afford it. But yeah. think about what Nick so. Cassianos would pull. Yeah. That's a guy you it's, want on your team. If you plan yeah. on winning, if they are serious about winning he will be signed before free agency starts. Yeah, I think at least make the effort. They yeah. should be absolutely making the effort. And if he's like, I want to test the market in free agency. If they, then, if yeah, if they go out there and but you should them, be competitive in free agency too. You should be, you should be right up there with those teams. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even if, if if it's four years, thirty million dollars, one hundred twenty million dollar deal. I'm I'm not saying no. I'm just not. I, uh, $30 million is way too much. If you give him five years, $125 million, and he says no, then I can respect that. Or not say no. He says, I want to test it. I can respect that. Five years, yeah. $125 million, That is literally $25 million a year. If he goes yep. out and he says, I want to test it, then, I mean, that's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I don't I, know if I, I can I argue I don't with think it. he will. I don't think he will. I don't think he will either, but I'm saying, I think, like. I think the days of 10-year contracts are done. Like, I don't think he's looking for something like that. No, I think I think a five year. I, I also extension. think teams are after seeing like like I mean the Reds went through it with Votto, but like the Stanton deal, like you're you're starting to see own, like teams realize that that's not a smart investment. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. I mean, uh, unless you're getting like I mean, a Mike heart, Trout. Harper, I mean, even I think Bryce Harper's been pretty good. 
But now, and even that deal, you're but like, even, but how do you, who who knows in eight years from now, how's he going to be? Yeah, it's so backloaded. The pool host deal was a disaster for the Angels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think I think the era of ten year deals is done. I, I totally agree. That needs to be more than anything right now. I, whether this team can make the playoffs or not, I don't know. They're seven games back. It's a big kill to climb. If you want to have any hope of making the playoffs in the next two years. Yeah. And with, with, with why you have Luis Castillo, Jesse Winker, Tyler Malley, some of these other guys that are heavily involved, Joey Votto still on this team producing, Sonny Gray in this young core, you have to – Nick Castellanos has to be a part of it. it. He just does. So if if you don't sign Nick Castellanos, then all this shit here is a doesn't waste. Matter. It doesn't matter. It, it's, it doesn't matter. It's a waste. It's a waste. So that's where – and I get shit for this all the time on Twitter because I, I get – I like to poke fun a little bit, but I like to have fun on trade simulators and look at like, you know, what could the value be for Jesse Winker right now? I'm, I'm doing that because I, I'm not confident the Reds are doing what they can to sign Nick Castellanos. And if the Reds don't sign Nick Castellanos, that's where that comes from for me. There's no point of having Jesse Winker if you don't to, sign Nick To be fair, I, I, I would like to think Castellanos is the type of guy where he is like, I don't want to talk about contracts until the season's that, over. That might be true. So, that might be true. I he, hope the Reds are having the internal discussions about it more than I bet you even, not even with him. I, I think they are. I would like to think they are. Yeah. So, again, that's something that we'll see. And um, like, Yeah, like you said before, Winker – or not Winker, sorry. They just showed him on the screen. Uh, Castellanos is just that type of dude where I think he's – I mean, the, the dude has a flip phone. He got rid of so, – like – he literally just wants to be locked in for the season. So, like, I really do think he's probably the type of guy where he doesn't care, like, about that. He just focuses on winning right now. Let's yep. see. That's what I'm saying. I think as soon as the season's up, he is the first phone call you have. As soon as the 27th out's made, you're yep. calling him. You're calling Scott Or, like you said, you're locking him in a room after the game, and you're not letting him get on the flight until you get you sign him. Yeah, I totally agree. That's exactly that's, – that's exactly my – what my hope would be um with that less about the future we have 16 and a half games left real quick real quick i'm sorry but about the future since we're on the topic i was thinking about this today um and i was been meaning to ask you tucker barnhart next year has a seven and a half million dollar team option are you picking that up no i'm not either no i mean uh the way the team's set right now tyler stevenson needs to be tyler stevenson's a better hitter from both sides of the plate He's way better against left-handed pitching. He's he's very good against right-handed pitching. Tyler Stevenson needs to be catching 120 games. Ooh, so and I'm not. I'd, check the screen. Huh? I was gonna say, look at the Reds game. It's coming in. Wait, what? Are you not seeing? Am I behind? Uh, I'm seeing the Reds are hitting right now. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so no, you're ahead of me. Okay. Yes, he's coming in. Though he says, "Okay, this makes yeah, a lot of sense. Cool. It's awesome." Um, <laughs> I was like, "You know, no, I'm I, way behind, or you're way, or I'm, I'm, way, I'm way behind." Um, I, I agree, though. I think uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking up Tucker Barnhart's seven and a half million dollar option, and and Tucker Barnhart shouldn't accept. Tucker Barnhart's an elite defensive catcher who has produced enough at the plate to where he. He shouldn't take some sort of big pay cut. There's teams that will pay him. For I, sure. But with what the Reds have, you don't with Tyler to. Stevenson, I'm not. I can't have that bat on the bench for 80 games a year. I just no. can't. So that, that's why I'm not touching. If he wants to come back and be the backup catcher, then fine. But I'm not. 
I th- the Reds have a guy in AAA. The Reds have a guy catching in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, it, no, I'm, I, Tyler Stevenson's the guy. Yeah, you know I've always been against uh, Tucker Barnard. So he's turned on me since he's stopped switch hitting. I couldn't yeah, stand I, when he hit I'll from the right side that. of the plate. I'll give him that. That's fair. But. I couldn't stand it. Um, I guess so. That's a lot of future talk. And, and good talk. And, and like I said, I think to recap, and I think we're kind of on agreement with this. Number one priority when we say what's next should be figure out Nick Castellanos. Um, number two, I think we would both agree is another bullpen arm. And then I wouldn't mind uh, a utility guy, whether it's shortstop, whether it's even a, a solid batting. Uh, probably not an outfielder. No, a shortstop. I think if you're looking for a shortstop, then that would be I, I think a utility guy. Um that can play uh, when I say short, uh, uh, that can play, can play shortstop. Let's put it that way. Exactly, hundred percent. That's exactly what I was getting at for sure. Yeah. I think I think that's a perfect order. Um, from the sounds of it, though, I don't know if you saw it. They Crawlman. It sounds like they're going. They kind of have that in reverse order. They're thinking that utility shortstop first and then relief. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, we still got three days, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely pan out. It'll be something that's uh, interesting to see. So, and this is the last kind of Reds talk, but. How about this stat on the screen with the Reds game? I don't know if you can see it. Joey Votto's reached base safely in 22 straight games with a 342 batting average, eight home runs in the span. Yeah, he's a, he's an ageless wonder. He's a machine. He is. Dude, he's just having fun. It's exciting to watch him. under the age of 30, he's the best Red you'll probably ever see. Maybe if you're under the age of 40. I might be willing to say that. Um he he's unbelievable. What he's doing is is ridiculous. Uh, I love Joey Votto very much. <laughs> I do. He's awesome. Did I, you see his interview so much last night? To him. Um, sixty games left. The Brewers are going to win tonight. It looks like. I know Hater just gave up a home run, but uh, do the Brewers play the Pirates again tomorrow? Yeah. Yes. So that's a dagger. Um, so this is turning like like the Brewers playing the Pirates turns the Reds into must-win games against the Cubs, which I hate because I just I don't know why, but the Cubs just bother me. Um, Reds are gonna get uh, they're facing the Mets this weekend, and they're going up against they announced, the Mets announced it today. Carlos Carrasco making a season debut. So honestly, awesome to see him pitching again, but could be great. Hopefully, the Reds just absolutely tee him off. And get yeah. into the Mets pen because the Mets have a very depleted bullpen right now with injuries. So, huge weekend. The Brewers are down in Atlanta. So, yeah. could be a big weekend. Yeah, yeah. We're missing. De- I mean, any. I mean, we can't complain facing the Mets t- two different times and avoiding DeGrom. So, that's a blessing. Yeah. So, seven games out, 60 games left. I think Fangrass has the playoff chances at 10%. Yep. I. I threw this tweet out, and I texted you earlier, and we talked about it. And this was with 61 games left, including tonight. You need to make up, let's just say, eight games, right? You, you need to you need to win eight games to win – eight more games than the Brewers to win the division, theoretically. Yep. Okay, seven games, you get a one-game playoff, whatever. But eight games to win the division, okay? How many wins do you think the Reds need to win the division? I mean, the realistic answer, I think, is kind of what we came to today was what forty and or no what was it forty and twenty one forty and twenty one realistically and I know we want you you 
you gave a set. It was like over the last fifty games or something. They were at like thirty-one and twenty something. So I, I can I get it for you. I, I memorized it. The, the last fifty games. So fifty games ago, the Reds were seven games back in the division. They've went twenty-nine and twenty-one in those fifty games, and today we're seven games back in the division. So. Yeah. My point in saying that was, is you can play pretty good baseball, and it can be frustrating and not yeah. gain any ground. So but, that's where. But now we're fine. We're going to start seeing. We have that very easy loaded schedule at the back end of the half. So I know, I know you follow him too. He kind of sometimes he is annoying at times, but Kirby, Nick Kirby on Twitter. Yeah, he's very good. Very interesting stuff. Sometimes he just he's a huge. He just loves Suarez for whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but, um, oh man, what was I saying? Um, he pointed out that we kind of got to get to August 16th and that's where the Brewers just go through an absolute tear of a schedule. And we kind of start playing the Pirates quite a bit back to back. So I think if you can, if, if it's August 16th, so we're looking about two and a half weeks from now, almost three weeks, if you said the Reds were between three to four and a half games out, I think we're in a good spot. I think the Reds play the Brewers in Milwaukee on August 24th, a three-game series. If we're within four, I'm happy. I agree. I think you got to get within four games. I I think it's possible. In a month, for sure. I think it's, I think it's 100% possible. I just think – here's my worry. Okay, people keep saying the Brewers have ever achieved, the Brewers have ever achieved – Dude, you don't, you're not 17 games above 500 if you're ever cheap. Like, you're just really good. And, the Brewers are really good. And, yeah, and that was another thing. Kirby, he's like, they're eventually going to come down to earth. Well, the thing is, though, but they're getting better as they're getting the days better, go on. That pitching isn't going anywhere, man. No, and that, that's, you can say a lot lead. of things about teams. It's the best that's pitching player staff. On and off. I, think it's best. With this I think it's the best it pitching staff. It stays forever. Yeah, forever. When you have elite pitching. When you heavily pitching, it ain't going anywhere, man. It's a, it's, we saw it with the Reds last year. We saw it with with certain. We've seen it with teams in the past. If you have pitching, you the, are going to win games. And it's the, the name of the game, game pitching, the pitching and defense wins championships. I've been it's, told it, it since it, I was a kid, and it's so true. Look at every it, team that wins. It's They're, a mainstay, man. So that's why I worry with the. I just don't. I think it's really hard for the Brewers to extend. To have extended losing streaks, so then you're playing the game of you have to win. <laughs> you have to win when the Brewers win, and you have to win when the Brewers lose. So it's like you really can't miss ground, but you really. But like this is, and I know I, I said it today earlier in the group text that we're in. I said it, it, you guys got to take it one game at a time, and you just got to focus on your. Uh, the Reds got to focus yeah. on them, and I think this is the perfect group to. If someone's going to do it, I think this would be the group to do it just because I think they're very locked in on just themselves and the team itself. They're they're very unselfish. It looks like they all get along with each other. It looks like it's a very good team, chemistry-oriented team. So, I mean, if they just kind of lock in, focus on themselves, obviously they're going to fight. They've shown it all year. So I, I totally agree with that. Like I think if players – yeah. I, I don't think there's a perfect group of players. Like, if there's any group of players that I'm betting on – It's this team. 100%. It's this team. It's these guys, man. It really is. And and the Reds are going to get a lot better. They're going to get Moustakas and Senzel back. They're going to get Castellanos back. They're going to get Anton Sims and the Reds back at some point. It's a matter of can they be – when they get those guys back, hopefully – Put it together. Around that Malky series, can they be within three or four games? Because if they are, then I'll believe. And it, 
I just struggle with the fact I just, I I struggle with the fact is I don't think the Brewers are going to skid as much as we think. If we no, say the Reds go forty and twenty one in this stretch, right? That would mean the Brewers have to go thirty two and twenty nine, and not that's impossible. But the Brewers are really good too, so Reds have to win a lot of games while the Brewers don't play the baseball they have, and it's possible. It's totally feasible. I get that. I'm just saying. I, me personally, it's not necessarily a Reds thing. I just think the Brewers are a lot better than people think. No, that's I agree. My I don't. point of this. I, that's why I think the playoff, that's why I think that series after the All-Star break was so big. That's why I think, um, uh, you know, you just can't get because there. But it's just a series. you got to at least savage one game. You just, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a tough break. To lose the way they did was a big deal. So I, I guess that's my point. Is is it possible for this team to make the playoffs? Absolutely, yes. I agree with that. And I come off as this negative guy. And trust me, there's I'm, I watch damn near 162 baseball games a year of this team. There's nothing I would want more than the Reds to make the playoffs. It's happened 10, 12, 13, 20. 20 doesn't even really count. It's happened four asterisk times in my life the Reds have made the playoffs. Yep. Okay, I'm 25. There's nothing I want more than for this to happen. I just, I think, I think it's going to be a lot harder. I think that I, I don't think people understand how people see seven games and like with single digits because the Red, we're not used to the Reds being within single digits in August. But they're like single so, digits. It's, it's so not that many games. It's like, dude, it, it actually is a lot of games when you put it into perspective. The it's, Reds have to go it, 40 and it, 20. It's essentially <laughs> and the Brewers like, have to go 500. Yeah. It it's like essentially you think. think like if you only think if you put in like say fourteen games right for the Reds to catch them they would have to be fourteen and zero and the Brewers go five hundred exactly like that's the kind of stuff that you, it, when you look at seven games seven with, games is a lot of games sure. a lot more games than you think but I just think I do think like the team the difference between the team this year and the team last year too which I think is huge is we're very more hitting oriented where last year we we're pitching oriented. So I think one thing is I think you can all, I think it's a lot easier to get the pitching going quicker than it is the bats because the bats I think is like it's if one if half a couple guys are struggling it can leak to the whole team and then everyone's in that slump where pitching yep. you can kind of throw a guy off to the side and let him off on the side work on it work on it work on it while the other guys carry the load so yeah I mean you never yep. know like you said the Brewers are good they're getting better um, so I think the challenge more is going to be hopefully the Brewers off that's really what we gotta really bank on because i do yeah, think you, the I mean, reds, the reds it, are gonna it is to the point now where we're scoreboard watching i mean you yeah. have to start rooting for the brewers to lose yeah, i know we say focus on yourself but, but as fans as fans you have to root. brewers need to root. Yeah. the brewers yeah. need to lose games that's just the reality Sessa slider is nasty, nasty. i am cornered. in love with this guy after two batters corner <laughs> <laughs> might have hurt himself there yeah um i like nico horner good ball player He's like a classic cub that'll live on me for a while. Um, All right. So but yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a lot of good red chatter. And, it's gonna be fun. And I think it's a lot of the thoughts that I, I know I'm very active on Twitter, but I see a lot of people who are active on Twitter, and I know I get a lot of people that like DM me and will ask me my thoughts on things. And not that I'm any like genius. I'm just some fat guy with an opinion on <laughs> the Reds. But the silver Reds. That's all. But I, I think, you know, if you listen to this, I think it's. From a fan perspective, what they did today was good. They need to keep sight of the future. And there's a non-zero chance that this team can make the playoffs. Yep. There's a and chance. That's, that's somewhat that's exciting. 
That's all, and, right. That's all we need. You can still think all of those things and be very positive, and you can still think that the owner's an asshole. I think exactly. that's totally fair. So I, I think, think all, these, all those things are allowed to be true. For sure. Um, well, another exciting thing inside of town, across the street from Great American, the good old yes. Bengals opening up. Training yeah, camp. Tra- training camp open today. Um, I don't know about you. I can watch training camp videos end on end on end. Oh yeah, like it's enjoyable. They get me just get like Fired football up. season in its own. I love the fall, the fall season, the smells. Eating a little chili on Sunday, get some chicken wings, grab a couple <laughs> beers, that kind of stuff. You got two TVs, red zone, Bengals. Like the whole environment just gets me going. When you see, when you see uh, training camp. It just it just gives that chill down the spine. And I love baseball, I really do. But Sunday football just hits different. It hits different. So I am uh, nothing beats a nice weekend of college football Saturday followed up with NFL Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You gamble. You're you're in on everything. It's just it's it's a great time. So I love, I do love exactly what that stuff brings. Uh, the Bengals made an interesting, not an interesting, I think a good quality signing. They signed Sam Hubbard, four years, forty million. Man of Moeller, Moeller. I think it's a pretty solid uh, deal for both sides. I love this deal. Yeah, and not because Sam Hubbard is some superstar defensive end. He's a no name to twenty nine teams in the league. I shouldn't say no name, but you know, to fans, yeah, fans are like, who fans. the hell, is Sam Hubbard? He is the perfect guy that the Bengals need. He's the guy that that isn't going to get the huge sacks. He isn't going to get crazy pass rush numbers, but he's an elite tackler. He's excellent in the run game, one of the best defensive run run game guys in the in the league. And I have a little rant about that in a second. And he's the perfect guy for a locker room. Like he is, he's a guy that you can pencil in. He'll be a fucking captain in a year. He, he's not expensive. It's exactly what the Bengals need. A culture guy that they can build around, who's a mainstay on the defensive line. I think it's insanely important. I think it's the perfect kind of guy the Bengals need need to have. You need to have guys like that. We just talked about winning baseball players. Sam Hubbard's a winning football player. He's a guy you find on a championship team. He's a guy that would be on the Patriots that you don't know who it is, but on third and six, when the quarterback's trying to sneak away and get a first down on a run, he's sliding in there making a tackle at the ankles for a two-yard game. Like he's that kind of guy. You need that. He's an effort guy, a motor guy. I and, think it's a cute, good signing by the Bengals. And the, he's a he's a big fan guy, and I think I think we've really seen it this offseason with the ownership kind of transitioning. Um, they're really trying to get the fans involved, and I just think this is just another good move where it's just like, all right, they're it's just such a different feeling this year than we were in a spot even last year where we had the hype behind getting Burrow for the first like number one pick and have all that. But you fast forward a year and it's like, God dang, like how much different of a feeling it is. It's like almost refreshing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think Mike Brown, um, Mike Brown has felt the pressure around him. And I think his granddaughter is the only person he listens to, and he listens to her. And to his credit, he said this in an interview with Joe Daneman, that or Jeremy Roush, one of the two guys, that was very good. But he, he talked about how I've had to take, take a step back, and she's opened my eyes, and I listen to her and talk about the Ring of Honor. But a lot, you've noticed a lot of other things, uniform changes, little shit like that to get the fans excited. And like, think um, about how much the Bengals. I think it's the were... Joe Burrow difference, personally. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow and, has changed the perspective of. I need, think they realize that. Need, oh, that ball's peace. 
Get up. Oh. You're like a minute and a half ahead of me. Dylan Maple says he even thrown his first pitch yet. It was the first pitch that was hit. Um, Sorry, but, but yeah. um, no, just think about, I was going to say, like, think about from the months of, I guess, after the draft, so April, end of April till now. Think about how much, like, the Bengals were still kind of talked about. Like, just like you get on Twitter, like, you're seeing mm-hmm. stuff talked about the Bengals, or about the Bengals, and you're just like, man, like, a year ago, they're, you're not hearing a peep about, it. like, the fans didn't really care what the Bengals did in the offseason, or there was, like, this year, like, even we weren't really making moves during the summer, but it was just like, you still heard shirts about the Bengals, you get the new uniforms, yeah. you get the ring of honor, it's like, that's what yeah. I'm saying, like, that There's refreshing excitement building on the franchise, and that's good. Yeah. That's good. Like, you want that kind of stuff, especially with all the negative connotations that the Bengals have, uh, most of them very fair. It, it's good to have some positive things. So we're not going to get into a whole season breakdown and stuff like that. There's so much time between now and football season. We'll do that in July or in For August, sure. later in August. But, um, yeah, I, I I love the Hubbard signing. Um, the other big news is that Burrow is cleared, which is just awesome. It's medically remarkable. insane. I don't understand. I don't understand science anymore. Science has gotten to the point now where I can't. I don't understand how his knee was mangled eight months ago. And now he's fine. And now he's just fine. (laughs) I don't understand that. I don't understand how that works. If I pull my back muscle or something, I am laid up for like three weeks. (laughs) I play beer league softball on Friday. If I get hit in the leg by a ground ball, I am done. I retire. So Burrow just like getting his knee mangled and then being ready to play football eight months later at a professional level is – awesome um he's just the way we talk about nick castellanos like burrow is that times a million just because it's football and it's the quarterback but like this is his city like he's the king of the city he owns this like everything he does like dude he walks out of the locker room and like i'm smiling like there was a video (laughs) of him today walking walking to the onto the field and i literally was just Staring at my phone with a smile on my face, like I just, I just fucking love this guy. Like everything he does. There was an awesome article written about him um, on the Athletic about uh, how he's, he's he's spent time at Jordan Palmer's camp. So with Desmond Ritter, by the way, big development. Um, working on his arm velocity and arm strength, how he has unlocked a new a new arm strength in his body. He's now, I think, something. I don't know the numbers, and I'm not going to care to look them up, but we'll just say this is somewhat right. Direction correct. He was throwing the ball on average like 48 miles per hour. Now he's throwing it like 53, 54 miles per hour. He's gained so much arm strength in his, what in happens, his throws. That's what happens when you have knee problems. All you can do is do it That's exactly body. what he said. He focused on his core, yep. and then they started breaking down every nook of his mechanics during all his throws, and they were talking about how his uh, – his, his footwork was off. They're like asking him like, which throw didn't feel right. And he has such a photographic memory. He could be like third and six in the third quarter against the Redskins. I, uh, that's a bad game to say the, uh, let's yeah. say the Colts, uh, <laughs> uh, third and six in the third quarter against the Colts. Uh, you know, this throw didn't feel right. And they started breaking down. They noticed stuff with his feet, his heel. And all of a sudden it's added this arm strength and power to his, to his throws. So it's like, that's the shit that I just eat up. It's like, yeah, dude, everyone else is like, eating nachos and Joe Burrow's watching how his heel is landing on the ground <laughs> on some random third and six in an October game against the Colts. I love that. So it gets you fired. It just gets me fan. excited overall. Um, 
but yeah, that, we don't have to sit here and break everything down. But I, I'm, I'm pumped about training camp. I just like when it starts. I like seeing all the videos. Say your prayers. No injuries. No injuries. I, I know that they had one with uh, Larry Okunjobi Oka, today. Yeah, yes. like, like hamstring during a conditioning test. So hopefully it's I minor. I, I won't be able to take a serious injury to like a Bengals guy. Like I, I don't even want to put it into existence. But the first round pick stuff. Like the history, like yeah, Billy Price, William Jackson, Jonah Williams, Joe Burrow got hurt in the middle of last year. Like the Bengals don't necessarily have great uh, history with first round picks staying healthy. I am petrified. Jamar Chase is going to like get hurt, right. fucking running Moving some route against guys. <laughs> Moving uh, on. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited. I, I will say one thing, and I didn't say this about the Hubbard signing. I think the Bengals have made a huge emphasis on. And if you look at their division, you totally see why on run-stopping guys, guys that are elite at stopping the run. You look at the signing of Von Bell. Von Bell's not a great cover safety, but you know what he fucking does? He comes up and he fills the hole. And you look at the Browns, you look at the Ravens, you look at the Steelers with that badass at quarterback. They run the ball. That's what they're going to try to do. The Steelers drafted Najee Harris. The Ravens, obviously, with Lamar and that that J.K. Dobbins, that attack. The Browns have a two-headed monster. The Bengals are saying, in our division, we are going to make our quarterbacks throw. We are signing guys that can tackle. Even the corners they signed, they're not great. Like Trey Waynes, I'm pretty sure. I might be making this up, but I think Trey Waynes, and I know Mackenzie Alexander last year, who's not on the team this year, but last year he was this way too, a lead at stopping the run. They, they're not great cover guys, but the Bengals are telling their division, you're not going to beat us on the run. So I think that's another testament to the Hubbard signing. Um, DJ Reader in the middle. They got faster linebackers. They're looking to stop the run this year. So I look for that to improve on defensively. So we can get to that as more of a breakdown. Justin Wilson now warming up. That's interesting. Um, I'm excited for him. But yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun year. Excited. Uh, Obviously, yeah, like you said, we'll get we'll get into it more. But it's going to be it's going to be definitely the most exciting Bengals year we've had in quite some time. Yes, a couple years. I so I am a. Okay. And then today actually marks 31 days until college football. And we've yes. heard quite a bit of news. So the, the college football weeks. world is shaken. And, this and is... without Cincinnati's name being mentioned, Cincinnati is involved. This is uh, a petrifying yet exciting time to be a Bearcat fan. Conference realignment. This is the kind of shit that's up my alley. I'm going to make a plug here. Um If you don't have a Bearcat Journal subscription, and I've gone back and forth to Chad Brendel a billion times on Twitter, I think it could be annoying. But Chad knows his UC stuff. I actually do like Chad, um, but not that I know him personally, but I think he's a whatever. He he knows what he's fucking talking about. This is You're going to want to get a subscription and follow along for what he's going to do with conference. If you're interested in UC at all, what he's going to do with conference realignment. It, the articles he'll put out there. He is the best follow to have without question. So um, that's a little plug for Chad Brendel there. But overall, the big news, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma essentially signed a deal to go to the SEC. The deal is saying that it's going to wait till 2025. Don't even look at that. Those words mean nothing. This is happening. It's going to happen next year. What this means overall, and I guess we can just kind of skip all the shit to what the news that came out today. 
and not just today, like two hours ago, Bob Bosley, essentially the Big 12 commissioner, came out and basically said, which we knew all along, and anybody who's ever paid attention to conference realignment and looked how the Big East was manhandled in 2010 and 2012, uh, 2010 to 2012, ESPN has been controlling this all. Uh, no shit. This isn't about competing for playoff spots or a more competitive conference or getting better sports up to date or, or, or getting the SEC football to be the best. They don't care about wins and losses. They don't care about any of that. You know what they care about? Money. This is all about money. And if you look Always at it, is. ESPN <clears throat> owns three things, I believe, college football-wise. The SEC. They just have the rights to the SEC. They just, they just bought this. Okay? The AAC, which is what UC's in. That's a very cheap deal. Not very much money. And I believe they have ACC rights. I'm not sure how much, but I think they're involved with the ACC network. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. So the ESPN does not want the Big Ten and the Big 12 to exist. They want to control it all. So the news that broke today was is that Bob Bosley came out and basically said that ESPN called the American Athletic Conference and told them to start pitching four, three to five Big 12 teams to come to the AAC. Do the math. This is basically, if you if you if you want to think about it, this is probably West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, give or take uh, Iowa State, and then probably like a Kansas State or Texas Tech, maybe someone like that. They're probably any of those teams, and they're calling to get them to the AAC. ESPN is doing what they can to wipe out the Big Twelve. Why? Fox owns Fox. the Big Twelve. Fox owns the Big Ten. The Big Ten isn't going anywhere because Ohio State's a mega power. So unless Ohio State somehow leaves to go to the SEC, it's not going anywhere, right? But the Big 12, the Big 12's to get. And if they can get, which they already did, they plugged the two powers in the Big 12, the two moneymakers in the Big 12, the only two schools that matter in the Big 12 are going to the SEC. How can we eliminate Big 12 football as a whole? Oh, I know. We'll get the next four or five biggest schools, and we'll get them to go to our ship conference, the American, to make the American look a lot better. So now the American – gets bumped up that's on our tv deals that's what this all is man and it is this is going to be one wild fucking storm for the next i think year yeah i don't know how long this is going to go i the big 12 this all leans heavily on on the eight um let's call them stepchilds the big 12 the eight schools in the big 12 that don't matter the eight schools in the Big 12 that aren't named Texas and Oklahoma that think they matter because they got to play with Texas and Oklahoma, they don't matter. Those schools don't make money. Or at least they don't make money like Texas and Oklahoma do. Um, there's a – let me pull it up real quick. So I can find it. Two seconds here. Give me two seconds. Approximate conference payouts per school. Okay, this is based on TV deals. Big 10, 54 million. <laughs> Per school, $54 million for TV. SEC, $45 million. This is without Texas and Oklahoma. It's about to get major, big time, major. bigger. Big 12, $40 million. Pac-12, $33 million. ACC, $30 million. The American, $7 million. Okay? So you're talking about a, a major pay difference in those things. So what the, basically they're trying to do is take that $40 million for the Big 12 
how can we get that share to start going to the AAC or to our other conferences to make money? Um, it's going to be the Wild West. College football is never college sports are never going to look the same in probably about eight to ten months. Like I don't think people really can comprehend. Like even Texas and Oklahoma playing in the big SEC is it's kind of insane. Yeah, it's insane when you think about it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how good they are in football. It doesn't. They're going to get better in football because of this. But it doesn't matter. Um. So what this means for for uh, I'm assuming a lot of people that listen to this are UC fans is UC is is I can't decide if it's a good or bad spot. It's a weird spot for sure because they are without question the well. Yeah, no, this is true. They are without question the most uh, appetizing group of five school. Without sure. debate. There's no doubt. debating that. There's Central Florida can say what they want. These other schools can say what they want. They are the most appetizing. I think Notre Dame and BYU, Notre Dame and BYU are independents. BYU is very appetizing more than people think because they have a big following with their Mormon weirdo people. Um, but And Notre Dame obviously is huge. But UC is a the biggest group of five. The question is, is does UC move the needle enough to get into or maybe get people to their conference? I think um, if I'm UC, I'm looking any way possible to get in the ACC because I don't think the ACC is going anywhere. Um, but uh, UC is going to be in a much different place. We are going to know a shit ton more about the future of Cincinnati Athletics in the next eight months. For like sure. if you see's on the outside and I mean the outside outside looking in, it's, not it's really bad. Yep. Like I don't think people gone. can comprehend enough. <laughs> College football is going to change dramatically. The money is going to change dramatically. We are leave we are getting ready to live in a world where college football won't be dictated by the NCAA. Like the NCAA isn't gonna rule college football anymore. These big schools are going to flip their middle finger to it saying, we don't even know why we're paying you anymore to do this. You guys do nothing. It's going to be run by ESPN and Fox. And if UC is on the outside of looking in on that, it is very bad. Very bad. So that's where I'm I'm nervous, but I'm excited because I think UC is enticing. I think it's way more enticing than some people think. Um, I think they have a big market share, bigger than people think. Uh, I, positives for UC going to the ACC are this uh, one it's recruiting ground in Ohio recruiting is the lifeblood of, of college sports especially football especially basketball Ohio is an elite recruiting state for football if Clemson can sell their kids that hey Cincinnati's in our conference we'll play Cincinnati um, so your family can have a close game to come to yep. that's a big difference not just Clemson but we're talking about other schools that, that's a plus for UC it's getting into the Ohio TV market, another major TV market. You get the greater Cincinnati area, say what you want. It's a city. It's a large city with about a, you know 500,000 people in this metro area. You get a lot of people watching it. You get your footprint in Ohio. I think that matters. On top of that, you're adding a really productive football team, a really productive basketball team. Say what you want. It's two of the most – they're in the top 30 of programs probably success-wise in the last 20 years. Football has been very productive. Um, baseball's been extremely productive um, they haven't put titles or anything on the board but they've been really good they're better than a lot of schools so they're, they're adding that to their thing um, 
And it's adding a, a quality, strong fan base, which I think those schools are looking for. And the best facilities. UC is getting elite facilities. They have elite facilities. The basketball yep. arena is a big plus. The football stadium renovations are a big plus. Those match the facilities that are in the conference just as much as anybody. I mean, it's not Clemson, but it's it's all every bit of Georgia Tech. Sure. So um, that's where I, I kind of stand on all that. Um, it's yeah. a lot, and I just rambled on for a minute. It's going to be interesting. No, oh, no, there you are. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, like you said, I think in eight, I think this will be the last football season, at least that happens where we don't know yet, but at least by the time next year football season's getting ready to start, we're going to, it's going to be looking a lot different, or at least we're going to yeah. know what the future of it's going to look like. People so. are saying a lot of different things like, oh, well, Texas and Oklahoma you know, they have to stay with their – because their contract says they have to stay until 2025. No. No, it doesn't, dude. No. <laughs> they can – if they paid $80 million, they can buy that out, dude. That's one oil salesman in Texas right now. They yeah. ain't worried about $80 million. This is a matter of can we get into the SEC by 2022. If they can, they're gone. And can they do it without getting sued because that's the threat of the Big 12 president basically right now. Yeah. Um, so if you love college sports – Buffalo. Cincinnati – this is you got to pay attention. This is worthwhile. So, I'm excited. Um, it's a good time to be in Cincinnati. We got Reds baseball that matters in August. We got training camp started. Yep. We got Cincinnati football to look forward to. So, it's yep. gonna be exciting. I totally agree. So and I think that's probably a good yeah. way to wrap this up. A lot yeah. of good subjects, I think. So it's gonna be exciting um, though to follow. We'll be we'll be knocking out episodes. Yeah, sure. we're gonna definitely start doing this more consistently. Um, we're going to try to get them out more consistently. Uh, we'll be a little more active on the social clips, posting stuff like that. So follow that, uh, get that handle at nasty boys at nasty N A S T I underscore boys. Uh, if you're listening, I'll put, if you follow me, I'll tweet it out. If you don't follow me, you don't follow Sheen. I don't know how the hell you see this, but if you are, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back post trade deadline. Uh, probably early break, next week yep, break to all evaluate down. all that stuff, break it all down. We'll have some training camp news. Bearcats will be headed to Camp Higher Ground for their training camp stuff soon. So uh, good stuff. Time. As we sign off, the Reds are winning 5 to nothing. Justin Wilson's entering the game. So if there's Let's a meltdown, it. Let's get it. Just know that I screened in my living room, but not on this podcast. <laughs> go Reds, go Bengals, who day. See you all next week.